Faces Going Places is a 501c3 that strives to promote youth empowerment through community, unity, and educational programming initiatives. We believe in the pursuit of championing the cause of our future leaders. Faces Going Places is committed to dramatically reshaping the most economically depressed communities across the country. Listen in to the Faces Going Places podcast, where new episodes will be released every Saturday on all your podcast platforms. This podcast is also brought to you by the WGE Podcast Center, your host for all your podcasting needs. Available on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes. Hello, Baltimore. Welcome again. You are listening to Faces Going Places. I am your host today, Dr. Mel Butler, owner of Faces Going Places and maker to markets. This, we want to remind you, is a 501c3, a nonprofit organization, so your donations will be greatly appreciated. This show is all about the positive things that are happening in and around Baltimore and all over the nation. So if you're a caller and listening to the show, you know how it works. If you're positive and you call in, we'll take your call. If you're negative and you call in, you'll hear nothing because we will cut you off. So today we're going to be having an exciting show. We got uh, some guests here today and they're all knowledgeable. They're all waiting uh, to talk to me about what they do and the good things. And we got our little king, who is my boss, sitting over there (laughs) dressed all fancy, thinking that he's cute. Well, he looks pretty neat today. He's dope. I give it to him today. So we want you to listen in, have some fun. We're going to educate one another and get some knowledge at the same time. And um, remember, our call-in number is 410-300-0489. Let's get started. Let now guests introduce themselves, and we'll go from my right all the way around and tell our audience who you are and what you do, and then... Let it go to the next person because we're going to discuss some things with everybody. Okay, so let's go. Good afternoon, Baltimore. My name is Shakia Johnson. I am a millennial leader at Victory House Worship Center. That's 1063 West Fayette Street. Um, What I do is I teach IT, uh, information technology, to the youth and adult learners. I also have my own cell phone company, repair company. Um, I fix phones, computers, and laptops. Um... My passion is pretty much the youth. If I can get to the youth, then, you know, that'll be um, everything to me. Okay, great. Good morning, Baltimore. My name is Raymond Tyson. Um, I'm supposed to be retired, but that's not working. So I volunteer with SCORE, which is a national organization, a volunteer part of the Small Business Administration. And my focus uh, with SCORE is to work on youth development by helping helping our youth start new businesses, and that's the main function of SCORE. I also have a program that I'm also trying to initiate called Flaming Arrows, which is also youth-related and with a, a more comprehensive approach to youth development from sharing with our youth all of the good things that really that lies within them and all the talent. All we want to do is discover it, develop it, and then share it with the world. Great. Little King. <laughs> Hello, Baltimore. Um, my name is Jay Miles, and um, I'm a bike rider. And I ride bikes throughout <laughs> Baltimore City. <laughs> okay. You watch, uh, listeners, in about a month's time, he'll be hogging up the mic. Now we can't get him to say, but he's better than he was, I'll tell you that, because I couldn't get that much out of him when he first started. So he's opening up some, and one, we want to thank everybody to be here, and Jaheim, we're going to thank you, because we're trying to make you into a leader, and you're already a leader. We just want you to be able to share it with some other people. So we, of course, bringing you on as uh, equal to us uh, on the panel. So for your audience, you know, you're just going to get better and better. And I want to commend you, first of all, for being here every week. That's the first thing. Because a lot of people are still in bed, you know, and uh, they're not up. So that that really is special. And um, I've kind of adopted him so he don't know. He's got to put his skates on because he, he thinks he's something on that bike. I'm going to be taking him all over the place. Be, ah, Dr. Bullard, do we have to keep going? Yes, we do. Leaders have to go. Mm-hmm. And right? 
So we got to do that. But today we're going to uh, share some things. We just went to an event in Baltimore, and we'll be talking about different things in different cities. But I was really a little shocked. I went to something they're rebuilding. The uh, Lafayette Market in Baltimore is being rebuilt. And they have something down there they call Main Street, uh, the Main Street program, which money has been allocated to renovate the Pennsylvania Avenue, which is where all our main business used to be in Baltimore, and also like Division Street and um, McCullough Street. This is an area that uh, Congressman Perrin Mitchell used to live in, but also Thurgood Marshall lived right on the next street over. And these are areas that the, the debate was whether they restore the area or whether they tear it down and just make a park. And I'm t- I was att- attempting to let people know, why would you tear down our history? Mm. You're falling right into everybody's hands when you approve. It sounds like a good idea to have a park. But if you have a park and it's drug ridden and crime ridden and everything, why would you, you know, why would you put a park there that exposes our young people? Why not renovate and then you're re- restoring history and saving history for our kids for the future? So anyway, I am on kind of a personal vendetta to get our citizens to understand that we have the power in our vote and we are much smarter than people think we were. The uh, two of the city officials came through the place. Everybody comes through near election time. Mm-hmm. You don't see them before election time. You don't see the city officials. When we have a problem, you don't see them. Now everybody's talking about all these problems. If the problems were there before you started, such as potholes, you don't get 5,000 potholes overnight. So somebody let those potholes build up. So where were you when the potholes started to come and when the potholes could have been fixed? So my position is like a lot of the young people. Young people, they don't like that. They want to answer. They want you to answer the question. They don't want you to beat around the bush. They want it then. And it's not that they're impatient, but they figured, well, you had a chance to fix it. You didn't. So we're going to do it. Jahi, I want to ask you a question. What do young people think about the leaders in Baltimore? What do they think? Do they think about them or wonder about them? Because, you know, politicians say a lot of stuff before they get elected. And then they get amnesia after they get elected. So I'm just curious. Well, some people can, some people don't. Mm-hmm. And most of them don't. Because <laughs> most of them, like, in the streets or either going through stuff and they don't pay attention sometimes. So no, priorities on surviving more so than find out what the, I know that's what it was for me, you know. And I, I want to know if that's the same for the generation now because you guys are so much smarter than we are. The other thing that struck me you know, you got to listen to the young people because I tell all the little babies that I see, I'm very, very nice to them <laughs> because when they take over, I want them to remember out of all the adults, I was one of the nice ones, okay? Because the little people, they know more than we do. You know that, Jaheim? The little ones know more than you know, and you know more than I know. You ever see little babies? They can figure out something. You can give a computer to a little kid and just leave it with them. And that kid, in two or three days, he can turn that thing on or she can turn that thing on and do some stuff that you can't even do. And so their brains are active and they're, they're like a little sieve. They want to learn. They want to learn. They want to learn. And most of the adults are afraid so they don't let them do that. That's why part of it happens. So, ma'am, Queen, tell us about you. You snuck in here. God just <laughs> slipped you right under the thing. And and folks, listen to her. She sounds nice and low, but when they sound like that, there's a whole bunch of knowledge. They're just holding it back on the gate. So talk to us. <laughs> well, uh, God has ordered my steps. That's why I'm here. I didn't sneak in the door. <laughs> God, you first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, um, something about me, uh, I'm very passionate about um, the youth my ultimate goal was to push my uh, company called Tech Care. It's a seven-week program that will be implemented in all Baltimore public city schools only because um, my goal is to, once I push my program through the schools, I will then force Baltimore City to teach our students more. That so is you have my a goal. grant for that already or what? No. And the thing about Baltimore is I, I didn't reached out and I didn't did the whole GoFundMe thing and... You know, you don't have a lot of support. I have a lot of people to say, I'm proud of you. 
but wouldn't, you know, put a dollar to my business right, or, right. you know what I'm saying, stuff, things like that. So, um, yeah, well, I'm a work in progress, and it won't let me sleep. So, therefore... That means you have a passion. I when had to you do have it. A, when you right, when you have a passion and it's it's uh, approved by God, I can tell you. Anybody out there? Yes. That's how we know. We we can tell you know there are a lot of fake people, so called. You know, yeah. but when you hear people say what you say, I couldn't sleep. Everybody, trust me. If you're a visionary or you're an inventor, the program that I ran was for inventors, new inventors. If somebody come up with an idea, then we had to pay for that idea. Mm-hmm. And then the next step, if they didn't have it protected, mm-hmm. then we would give them the money to get it protected. And getting money from for the right things in a city like Baltimore, that's how you know the politicians are really not interested. If they can find money for everything else, they should be able to find money for educational-type programs, mm-hmm. particularly those that are not implemented already. You notice if, uh, if you're part of the clique or part of the team, you can generally get something. But when you're thinking outside the box, and it sounds like that's what you're really doing, mm-hmm. because the, the, the intelligence is there with our young people. It's just to be able to share with them and help them get it. It's almost like politicians don't want us to go forward. They want us to stay stuck, mm-hmm. uh, stuck in the past. But there are programs and there are people and groups. And I know (laughs) Mr. Tyson is eager to get to the mic because the people that I invite to the show, I know because I'm like you, I think certain things are God-led. They're not led by me. And he didn't, well, he just happened to be on this show today, but he'll be telling you something that applies to people like you that people don't know. This is the the beauty of God since uh, I came to know him which was a miracle in, in and of itself. But it's almost like I love it because he lets me be just kind of lazy. I don't have to do anything except kind of follow what comes in there. And it happens every time that something happens that's pulling the forces together that I didn't create. But when you hear him, it helps put a blessing on your dream. So, Mr. Tyson, let's go and tell them a little bit about what you do and how it fits in with what she said. Well, first of all, I'd just like to say I'm, I'm blown away. I'm excited. I have that a burning, that passion. And uh, I can relate to that. And it's, it's just amazing when you know that the timing is right, is coming together. I know it is. And um, I have been, my steps have been ordered as well. And the beautiful about it, it has nothing to do with age. When you when you submit to your creator, he'll use you at any age. Oh, yep. And that's what's so excited about it. I was excited meeting this gentleman yesterday, and I uh, I couldn't wait to, to get to know more about him. And as you said, it's hard to sleep when you see. And I like the idea of being a part of a group that see things from half full, not empty. And can see the potential in our youth and all over. I'm from New Orleans originally, but I spent 40 years in California still with my business and working with the youth. And being in Baltimore, I see nothing but um, acceleration as far as youth. So personally, I'd like to know more about what you're doing so I can help support you and uh, anything else that we can do. But with SCORE, let me just give you a little bit about yeah, SCORE. And tell them what SCORE is, because a lot yeah. of people don't know. It's okay. been around forever. Yeah. yeah. SCORE started initially in 1965 um, as a part of the SBA, and that was the name, was an acronym for Senior Corps of Retired Executives, which I, as a client, went to SCORE in 1970. And at that time, SCORE, uh, which is funded by tax uh, taxpayers, that means everybody, but SCORE main function and their facilities were normally in the suburbs. I never saw any scores closer to the inner cities. And I, when I first got there and went there to get some help for my own business, what I ran into was uh, some people that I recognized that really weren't that interested in helping me. It was, it was frustrated and I became angry. Uh, so I took my anger and said, well, one day I'm going to be a part of SCORE and be a part of change. And that's what I'm doing today because now I've been with SCORE 10 years. And my focus is bringing SCORE in the uh, minority communities and specifically to our youth 
because what we do is we help you take an idea from idea to market. We hope you find out how to get the funding, how to do the research. We expose you to the people that can make a difference. Um, that it's not an easy task because you have a lot of people that, uh, uh, as Mr. Uh, Butler said, Dr. Butler said, that there are people that's not really that friendly towards your growth. So we have to overcome that. And uh, unfortunately, there are people even in the community that have lost the spirit of fight in a positive way. So that has to be stirred up at the same time uh, and help some of the youth to be directed in a positive way. So that's what uh, SCORE does is help people d uh, take their ideas and make them real. And, and it's free. That, that's the, a lot of people think they have to spend money. You don't have to spend money if you know the resources. But the problem is, in our community, most people don't tell you that. If they right. told you that, you would be a lot further on. So Correct. if you went to SBA and asked for some assistance, they would recommend that you get, because these gentlemen have been through it. But as Mr. Tyson said, they didn't really give us, people that look like us, mm -hmm. didn't get all that information. It was out there. Yes. Because I was what we call a call contractor when it first started. And let's say you lived in Clinton, Maryland, and you wanted to have a skating rink. This is a true story happened. Mm -hmm. And you didn't know. You just know you wanted a skating rink so that people would have something to do. You could go to SCORE. And then they could send some people down there maybe to tell you how to do your business plan. Or they would tell you what, re what government resources are out there. Like there, there's money for startup companies. There's money for companies that are in a certain category. And they know all those categories uh, that you could be in. So the free advice that they could give a person, if you work along with a, a, um, a person that's out of score, they could really help you based on their past and the past experience that they had, which would save you money and also move you in the right direction. And his mm -hmm. frustration for people our age, uh, and that's why young people need to know, back in the day, we didn't get help. See, now women have a priority, and even young people. But back to try to separate us as a group of people, then they kept the men isolated more so than women, even to this day. If you look around Baltimore and look at the people that are in the leadership positions, many of them are women, and that's good, except that our queens were always the backbone of our community. They knew that. See, in the days before, we worshipped our women and lifted our women up. Nobody had to tell us to do that. But what they would do is come in, let's say you had a man that you were supporting, and he didn't have a job, so you would do the best you could to support him. Well, they would come and say, well, if you keep supporting that man, we're going to cut you off. You're not going to get your welfare check. You're not going to get this. You may not let him live in there, even though he's the father of your children. So they really isolated uh, black men. And today, I'm very saddened because a lot of our women, they have tricked women into forming this coalition. Our women didn't need any coalition. They were always the bosses. But now... Our women have gone over to that side because it's easier to take a compliment than it is to take a criticism. And you'll find that the black men now are sort of rebelling against that because they were our queens. And so now they feel like everything, a lot of things are happening because you see men and women arguing. You see men and women and disrespecting people. Jaheem, I'm sure you've seen that. Mm -hmm. uh, you, with the young people, and I notice this all the time, you could see some young people and you'll see a young lady get all up in, excuse me, all up in a young man's face. Push him, slap him, talk, you know, just a total disrespect there, not realizing that when a person is his age and you do those things, what's going to happen when that man gets uh, older and he marries that woman? He's going to think he can hit her just like she used to hit him. Or disrespect her just like, say, she disrespected. Now, Jaheem, am I right on that or am I wrong? Am I looking at it the wrong way or what? No, you're right. And you see it all the time. You hear it all the time. And they have no shame in doing it. But the older people, because you got babies raising babies, the older people sometimes let it go by. They don't correct it. So, Queen, weigh in on that. What do you think? Um, about... I mean, about the lack of respect, because if, if people don't have respect for one another, how can they be expected to work together for the cause of one another? I mean, 
Have you noticed that with the young people? We're trying to make sure that the young people have a voice, but what they want to talk about, not what we want to talk about. That's right. Well, um, well, I did notice it's the generation, two generations behind us. I, I When I was coming up, I noticed a sudden change. It was a difference. Like back in the day, you wouldn't cuss if you seen an older person walking by. Right. You would just close your mouth because you were too scared that that person might have knew your mother or something. That's right. like, but, but then, you know, that generation, it, they kind of changed the game for us, like almost. It, it kind of just happened overnight. And once they started disrespecting older folks, so did we. Mm. And instead of us taking lead and saying, no, that's not right. We start feeling comfortable with disrespecting older people or, um, you know, our grandmothers. Right. Or taking them as a friend. Take, <laughs> yeah, my, I never not once heard my mother say, I'm your friend. That's the difference. Right. When we coming up, like today, a lot of uh, young mothers, are uh, they so concerned about being their child's friend rather than being their parent, right. their parent to the right. child. Mm-hmm. And it's different. And then a lot of them say, well, I'm not going to discipline my child how my grandmother used to do, but how your grandmother used to do raised you, made you better. Right. The, my grandmother, she was she was a tough cookie. You know? <laughs> <laughs> she was, but however, um, it made but it me was who. Tough I, love. Yeah, it was yeah. tough love. It was real love. Mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. genuine. It was pure. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't let me go ahead and act a fool, and you know, um, pretty much embarrass myself. She corrected me when I didn't want to be corrected. Even in the presence of your friends or your teachers. In fact, you get humiliated, you know, back in the day. And Jaheim sounds like he he may be young, but he sounds like he know a little bit of that stuff, right? Grandma or mother, they come up to that school. (laughs) Nobody nobody can shake you, but you let your mother or your father or somebody come up to that school. Mm -hmm. They straighten you up right away in in front of the class. That's right. And Mm -hmm. I had his teacher named Miss Galloway, and she used to have this ruler thing. She'd pop your hands with the ruler. (laughs) Miss Galloway called your house? You was in trouble. There was no explanation or nothing. Nothing like that. However, today, your child can say, well, my teacher was being mean to me. And when the parent get up there to the teacher, instead of the parent disciplining the child, she goes to the teacher, go teacher right. throat. Yep. That is yep. that's so bad because that was not happening back in my day. Miss Galloway disciplined. Matter of fact, Miss Galloway raised up my whole entire family. Where did you up go to school? My mother, um, Federal Hill 45. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I went up there. And she was the best teacher on earth, like, the best because she you know you know the funny thing is that you remember the hard teachers Mm -hmm. you know the ones you you remember those hard because i couldn't tell you any of those so-called good teachers at my school but it's like you said with the galloway her name yeah miss galloway miss galloway Mm -hmm. jaheem i bet you got a a one too don't you have any i know i do a teacher that it was one that that i remember to this day because they were really hard on me you know to catch you doing something discipline well yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. i got it's like the whole school actually right okay because like all my brothers went there. Um, my mother knew the teachers very well, mm-hmm. the staff. And, um, yeah, like, and um, whenever I messed up, they, they'd be like, hey, well, don't you know, you your right. mother don't play. <laughs> like FBI. Yeah. They, 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 but see, we don't have that today. And so that's why everything now is kind of pulling people together and a new thing. We used to always, or our parents used to discipline us when we did something. And then there came out Dr. Spock. You would remember Dr. Yes, Spock. A lot of people don't realize. <laughs> so Dr. Spock, yeah, he was a, a white gentleman that wrote a book and came up with this thing that you need to give your kid a time out. You know, don't hit them. Give them a time out. When they do something wrong, then you let them go sit in the corner or somewhere. They take a time out. Time so, outs don't work. I'm telling you, but that's what he said. See, that's what, that's what I'm saying. You're right. Work. You're right. But see, that's what they wanted us to believe, and a lot of women started doing that, yeah. you know. And so that allowed the kids to say, well, wait a minute, you know, I went out there and killed somebody, and all I got is a timeout. Okay, I'll take the timeout every day. So that's where we got into that generation of lack of discipline. And you know, the Bible said, what, you use the, use the rod, yeah. raise them up. So that's contrary to biblical teaching, but more importantly, it's dangerous, or it was dangerous, to our whole society. And now the child, I'm going to get right to you, and now the child would even call 911. 
You gotta uh, what? Somebody be mm-hmm. that, that little Jaheim. You you do I something to you. him. Won't they? I told you. Wait, uh, yeah. Um, the um, the parent like if a parent beat their child, they um people consider it as abuse, but really yeah. it's discipline. I told you that. Yeah, you did. But I'm saying that's what it is. So the children, the children know that, and the children look up at the parent can be five years old and say, "I'm calling nine one one." Yes. Mm-hmm. The more I I look at it and look, I volunteered a lot in Baltimore City working with, um, and as you were all talking, I was thinking about an experience I had about three years ago, volunteering with a a foster care young man. He was 10 years old, and I would spend about two hours a week with him. And this particular day, I was taking him, uh, we were going to go to Sam's Club, I was going to get him a book. But every book he put his hands on had a, a gun on it. And I said, I don't buy books with guns. Uh, so as we, we, he started hyperventilating at 10. So I was bringing him back to his mom. And when he got out the car, she says, you must have told him no. I said, excuse me? She says, yes. She says, I can tell. You told him no. I says, well, he doesn't know no. <laughs> and I thought about that. Most two-year-olds understand no. Mm-hmm. And what I was thinking about, the way he was looking at me, that in five years... If I saw him on the street, he probably would hurt me if he could. Mm. And I began to realize how dangerous of a situation we were in in our community when we have reached a point where we cannot tell our children no. We cannot give them a sense of accountability for their actions and their, you know, their, their responsibility and consequences for their behavior. And that's where it's so bad today. And as you were talking about, I don't know your program, but I'm, I'm sure it's, it's designed to help bring people back into reality. And that's the thing that seems to be a big thing today. We need to make people more accountable earlier. Exactly. Because the police, as we were talking about that timeout thing, my kids went through that. And I reminded him that if I don't discipline you at home, my son, when the guy pull you over on the side of the road, if you don't know how to deal with authority, he's going to take you out. That's right. <laughs> so my and job is to get it. you to mm-hmm. understand how to maneuver in this, that you can survive. Then you have a chance to thrive because that's where we are now. We're past needing to survive. We need to thrive to be able to take the community to where we need to go. And all the tools are here. All the tools are here. Well, you know, Mr. Tyson, I found out about the timeout. And I said, uh, maybe I can make this time out work to my advantage or to other people's advantage. Mm-hmm. So I embraced time out. Jahim, mm-hmm. I embraced it. But do you know how I embraced it? With my kids? Mm-mm. All right. <laughs> I used to tell my kids, you know, they said, uh-uh, Bob, you got to give us a time out. And I said, okay, I believe in the time out. You take time out. To go out there and find me one of those switches and come back. And that's your timeout. I'm going to give you a timeout, but go out there and find the nice firm switch. So take your time. See, Pop Pop is listening to the timeout, but I want you to see what that timeout is going to bring to you. Why are so you, you thinking give, about it? Hey, you give them time. And then I take them right to the Bible and say, see, the Bible says this is how I should raise you. Yes. Because I always taught them, as the Bible says, you respect authorities. Yes. So you can respect the authority, but then you do it for the child to say, yeah, this is a timeout. That means you go out <laughs> for your punishment, go get me something, come back, and so we'll finish this off. Yeah. So you got to kind of have a sense of humor Definitely. with the children, but at the same time show them love. Yeah. Because yeah. that agape love that you talk about, most people have no idea what that means. Mm-mm. They don't. And, the, and I found out, because like I said, I can openly say that I was not, I was the kind of person that was in the church because I had to go. Your parents told you you were there. And I'm sitting in there wanting to be out anyway. And I would sit there. I was terrible. I would sit in that church. And Jahim, you ever see people get happy in the church? Mm-hmm. And they speak in tongues. Mm-hmm. And they choke and get all happy. Mm-hmm. I would sit up in the front. And the pastor, and I kind of be laughing. And the pastor said, I want to see, Butler, I want to see you after the service. And he called me in the office and said, look, you, I am tired of you coming in here and you disrupt this whole church. And I said, why? He said, when, when sisters get happy, I notice that you're always laughing. And I want to know why that is not Christian. 
I said, okay, Pastor, I'll tell you. You want to really know? Yes. I said, those ladies get in church. You know, big old hats on, and they start getting happy and speaking in tongues and fall on the floor, right? I said, Pastor, how come if they're speaking in tongues and if the Holy Spirit is really hitting that person, how come the young people know got enough sense to hold their dress down? Mm-hmm. I was a young person. Mm-hmm. I liked it when they didn't hold their dress down. <laughs> so, so I wanted to know from the pastor, if, if you're so filled with the Holy Spirit, not saying it doesn't happen, mm-hmm. but I'm saying the real thing is if you feel with the Holy Spirit and you're speaking in tongues, you are not going to be aware enough to be holding your dress down. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Mm-hmm. Right? right? If you feel, if the truth is right. And I had to, I told the pastor, I said, no disrespect, but I got to go with the truth, what I know. Because if what I'm seeing doesn't, doesn't relate yeah. to yeah. the reality, and that person is supposed to be, if the Spirit's got you, then it's got you. Yeah. You can't be t- telling the Spirit, I need a little break because my address is rising up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I told him that that was, of course, before I came to yeah. the Lord, so I got away with it. But but that's those kind of things that I would do. And so I tell people all the time, and I had well, had the occasion to meet with a whole bunch of pastors. They had a uh, ministerial meeting, so all these churches and the pastors were there. And I said, Pastor, this was after I was really you know, in the spirit of God now. I said, do you know that God has a sense of humor yes. to the pastors? Yep, yep, yep. I said, but do you know and how you can prove it to anybody? Because a lot of times people don't realize the difference in God inspired or man inspired. Mm-hmm. Most people I know, if they take a trip, let's say going from here to California, which way are you going to go? Are you going to go by plane? You're going to go by train or you're going to drive a car? Which way would you pick? You got a choice. You can answer anybody. Answer that. Which way would you pick? Plane. Plane. Well, if I'm not in a hurry, I love traveling across the country. No, but let's say you're in a hurry. You got to just get uh, a plane. Plane. I'm definitely driving. <laughs> I'll be <laughs> <driving. laughs> You're definitely driving. Even without knowing, she made more sense than the other answers. And I'll tell you why. Uh, the average airplane is what? Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds. Right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Right, Jaheen? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. You will get on that plane with all that weight. Going up in the air, thousands and thousands of pounds going up in the air, and you got enough confidence to buy a ticket and get on that plane, which by all laws, the plane should what? It mm-hmm. should crash. That's right. Mm-hmm. Not meant for that. But people who don't really understand how God works, they can believe in that plane that is going to get up and go all the way to California, 3,000 miles, without even questioning. But if you say, listen to God, they feel like that is impossible. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. They believe in that. Or they'll get on the ship mm-hmm. and all that water and can't swim a lick. That's right. <laughs> but they on the boat. Oh, we on the boat. We they on got the faith. cruise. We go. They got the faith. <laughs> the big old heavy ship. They get on it and out in the ocean and they say, I believe in that. But you say, well, let's have a little uh, prayer. No, I ain't got time. I don't have time for that. So the point is, they believe more in man, which of course God said they would do, than they do in God. That's right. To me, it's very easy to see the difference. That's right. If I'm going to believe in that plane, I'm not saying say anything wrong and believing in it, but I bet you one thing, I will believe 10 times more about God than I would about you putting me in a plane or something that I know can come down, not going to step there. And if I make a prayer to a God and I am really serious and take the Bible serious, that he's better chance of saving me and coming to me than that airplane. That's right. So a lot of times, you know, I had to do things like that. They say, you are really bad. No, no. When God teaches you something, he teaches you the right thing. That's right. right. Or a a person will will pray. They're having a tough time. They got children. uh, They got to work. They got no car, no transportation, and they need a way. So they start praying for a car. Hard, 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 hard. Pray, 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 pray. On the church. Regular, regular, regular. And all of a sudden, they get an opportunity. Maybe somebody give them a car or they get it cheap or something, but they get the car. Mm-hmm. And then within a month, they're complaining. Said, what are you complaining about? Well, you know, I don't, this car, I don't, I don't like it. Why? I don't like, it's red. Excuse me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I just don't like a red car. Now, you prayed for a car. 
You didn't pray for a yellow car or a blue car or a purple car. You <laughs> prayed for a car. So why would you be so, I call it SOS, that because he answered your prayer, but that's the same person may say, I don't know if miracles still happen today. Yet you received a blessing that a miracle did happen. I see him every single day. Amen. Every day. Every day. And because that's what he said that he would do. But we are so used to listening to man and listen to what they say. Not everybody, but many people. The reason they're not going the way they should go or getting or realizing the blessings that they could get is because they violate one of the principles. And Jesus said, if only you believe. You don't hear many preachers say, that is in the Bible. He said, if only you believe. You might not understand it. You might not be for it. But if you prayed and and you're in his blessings, then you will know that miracles are happening every day. People say, "Ah, it's olden time. That's old day. Okay. But they are still happening. Go ahead. You look like you want to jump in there. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say in the book of John, (laughs) <laughs> and uh, Philip had asked Jesus, could they see the Father? Now, this is after Jesus, like, right. um, showed all these miracles. And even still today, like, if he said, you know, pretty much plain and simple, if if my father came down here, y'all couldn't recognize him if he had a blue shirt on and if I told y'all so. That's right. So, you know, it just, it, it the fact that you said that we are um, majority uh, influenced and we believe and stirred by man, that is um, solely true. Mm-hmm. It's, it is. But and how can we overcome it as well, a as a whole? Yes. Yeah. But you see, people don't take the lesson because remember that all the time Jesus was doing the miracles and doing all that thing, how many of the people thanked him? Mm. One out of ten. One. No, out of, out of millions and thousands. No, I'm just saying there oh, was right. one parable where it was ten exactly. and one came back. Right. Yeah. But out of those miracles. So mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, it's no wonder that they many times disrespect us because they disrespected him. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people don't know it and they don't believe it. They go to church and they're really, uh, you know, shouting, getting into it and all that. Mm-hmm. But two days later, you see the same person out there doing everything that they shouldn't be doing according to the Bible. Yeah. That's all right. The show display. I believe it or not, when I, I'll have to tell that story on the air one day, why, why I now know the difference in everything like that. My experience goes way, way back. Mm-hmm. And I realized that if you say that you want God to do something and you really believe in him, then you got to do it on his time. He doesn't come on your time. That's right. Well, That's first it. time I was <laughs> paralyzed, like from the neck down, and miraculously, I don't have time to tell the whole story today, but miraculously, well, the doctor wanted to cut the, my leg off first, and I didn't let him do that. And as the time went on, I had an experience where all I could do, they put this thing around my head, and I had a little thing out that it could suck air. And two years prior to that, I had bought this big old Bible from a little girl. And I bought it because I thought she should be carrying that big Bible. The Bible's almost as big as her. But I did. The Bible was sitting on the shelf all this time. And when the paralysis came, only thing I saw was that Bible. And I'm leaving my part of the story because I don't want it to go too long. But my friend said, you're going to be in here. You can't get up. Why don't you do something? What can I do? Except turn my head and go like that. He said, well, maybe you may want to read something. That's the only thing that looks like I could read is that book. I didn't call it the Bible. That book. And he brought it over. And he opened the cover. And he said, well, see what you can do with it. So I practiced going down, sucking a page, and going over. And after one day, the human part of me came out. I said, I don't like this book. He said, what do you mean? I don't like the book. What do you mean? Well, it is too many people begetting in this book. Everybody's begetting, begetting, and begotten, and begetting, and begetting, and begotten. <laughs> so I said, why would I want to read a book when it's all this begets? So he said, you are stupid. He said, <laughs> he said, go back. And it took three months, and I just didn't understand anything that I was reading. Then he came back, and he said, how are you doing? I said, I don't like this book. He said, now what are you complaining? He said, you never complained before. Why are you complaining now? I said, because... 
They will first all be getting and begotten. Now everybody is living too long. 600 years, 800 years, 960 years. I, I don't like this book. I don't understand. Why is all this? I didn't understand. I was reading it, but I had no, I no, I was clueless. And then later on, the third time, I read the book. I couldn't put it down. Could not put that book down. Because the dots were getting connected. All the begots meant something. It meant showing the lineage going up to Jesus coming to the earth. It was like somebody had doop, shot me in the head and, and the cobwebs went off of my brain. It was kind of breathing now, doing some things. I said, oh, that's why. And then I couldn't wait to get to all those years that I was complaining about. Many preachers, even to this day, don't even realize how that relates to Peter. Remember, God said, in the eyes of man, it may seem like a long time, but in the eyes of God, 1,000 years is 1,000 day, or is one day in God's eyes. Mm-hmm. Talk about happy. I said, now I, this thing is okay. All that stuff, the lady, I don't care if the dress go up or down. Now, I don't care. Because once you learn that Bible and have God's blessings on you, a person standing in front of the room preaching a sermon, they can preach all they want. But sometimes they kind of twist it around. You look at that Bible, and if you really read it for understanding and wisdom, then you can understand that thing and do anything. And when I realized that, now I said, okay, the 660 wasn't so bad. The, the eight some, But the 960 was the one that he said, what, the day that you sinned? You're going to die. In that day, mm-hmm. you're going to die. That's what he told Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. He said, you went to the tree of knowledge. But if you cross me, I am not going to let you live out that day. And talk about a revelation, because I was going to be a minister to trial sermons and all that same stuff. Mm. And But I found out that he can commission you for different things, different purposes, and different times. Mm-hmm. And one of, like, even at this table, two years from now, he will be one of the most listened to persons in the world. Because mm-hmm. he came into the setting, not because he wanted to, and I already look at his personality because he loves a bike. If I sit and talk bike all day long, look at him. He, he just gets, he likes a <laughs> He does. I, he, he knows I'm telling the truth. Right or wrong. Right. But see, two years from now, because he will be around people that he can soak it up, and he's already, you know, thinking beyond his age. But when all of that stuff kicks into him, mm. he will be a leader. That's, uh, I do a program called Millionaires and Training, mm. and I teach the immutable, the 22 immutable laws of marketing. And immutable law is when, like somebody says, okay, it's 10 feet to that picture up there. And if you throw a dot, it will stick. In other words, the law says, if you do that thing, that's what will happen. If you don't do it, if you violate one of the immutable laws, then you can't succeed. So there are 22, and one of them is called the law of leadership. Leadership doesn't just happen. You have to be put in a position where you can learn leadership. And if you refuse, write any of the 22 laws that a person violates, they will never be successful. One of the ones that I like is the one that's called the law of first. And to tell our listeners how they can tell what that is. The law of first is most of us around this table, who was our first president of the United States? Who was the first president? How about George George Washington? Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. See, we all agree to that. Now, watch this. Most of us agree to it. If we said... uh, if you want to get something copied, you might be a little too young for this one, though. If you had this and somebody wants you to get a copy, what do we tend to say? Xerox this. Oh, okay. Don't we? Mm-hmm. We just say, go give me a Xerox. Xerox hasn't been out there in so many years. I mean, like 30 years. You're not Xeroxing. No. Xerox is not even around anymore. Yeah, I mean. But you remember it because it was the first. Mm-hmm. See, the law of first means... You won't remember that because it's the first thing you were exposed to. In Baltimore, like what we're trying to work with you is get you maybe on a program where they might build a, a, a bike park or something like that. But you are the first. Mm. 
Nobody else that I know your age is doing what you're doing. So you are part of the law of first. Now, could we remember who the second person was? Second president? Mm -mm. If we think about flight, those older, when we think about flight, mm -hmm. and a person went around the world nonstop, who do we think about? Uh, what's her name? Uh, well, you're thinking Omega, but she was not the first. No, no, she wasn't the first. No, Actually, I, th I think it was an African-American woman, wasn't it? No, the first person was the Wright brothers. Oh. Do you know who they are? Yeah, I remember, but I didn't yeah, think they went the, around the world. They didn't, but in flight, yeah. right. the Wright brothers were the ones that started off in flight. Yeah. They had airplanes yeah, just testing, in, yeah. testing. And if you go on YouTube and see some of the things they were trying to it was do, ridiculous. they were ridiculous. <laughs> they, in fact, one of them was a bike. They were on a bike trying to get it to fly. Yeah. Put put like wings on wings on, on a bike. <laughs> and you should look at it. You'll laugh your head off because these are things that they did. But the first person, and we say a person, Amelia Earhart, was the first woman that did it, mm -hmm. right? But who was the second? We don't know. No, no. That's the law of first. We remember the first. You right. don't remember the second. Right. right. See, in that law, when we start thinking about, well, that's right. Because it becomes a natural part of what we're doing. So a thing that you're doing, what you're doing, uh, teaching technology, IT, and when a curriculum comes up for that, you'll be the first, say, in that lane to do that. They will remember you if you're the first. Mm -hmm. Jesus was a, a, an example of the first. Before Jesus started walking around and preaching and talking to people about the second life, it was a, it was a crime. You couldn't, you couldn't do that. They kill you. They throw you out to the lines. Let the lines eat you up. You could not talk about that. So Jesus was talking about something that nobody else was talking about, this afterlife, this thing that if you're good, you're going to be judged by something. Because the Romans said, oh, no, not only should you not think that, but we're going to let the lion eat you for supper. <laughs> See, that was the first. So when people say, I don't like to sell, I always look at them, and I really get goosebumps because they don't realize that Jesus was the greatest salesman on the planet. That's it. On the entire planet. You know how people, you hear a lot of people say, well, you know, anything but selling, that's not me. So you're saying the person that was the greatest salesperson that you follow every Sunday in church, but yet you have the audacity to come out your mouth and tell people, I don't want to sell. You are always selling. That's right. Always selling. Always only two things. You're either selling or buying. Period. You can name anything that you want. Either you preach it or you're not preaching. Either you're going to do something or you're not. Ladies prove that out all the time. Men think that they're going to be, the, the ladies so in love, that they're going to set the, uh, the day that they're going to marry. Not on this earth. Ladies set that day. She may accept what you said, but in her mind she's saying, that's what you think, buddy, but we're going to get, <laughs> we're going to get married when I say we're ready. See, there's so many little things that you can take, but it makes so much sense because the Bible and being a follower of Christianity is such an easy thing if we allow ourselves to. Mm -hmm. Business people come up with these ideas and they speak for thousands of dollars a day. And they come up with things that are Bible-based and they don't know it. Most of the people, when we teach a training session, I insist that people read the Bible. Proverbs in particular. Mm -hmm. You look at Proverbs, and a lot of things so-called businessmen will say, I thought of this so-and-so, so-and-so. No, you didn't. I say, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. The Bible says nothing new under the sun, and you're falling in there. But they come out, and they speak it, and they claim it. Or you ask a person, give me your definition of love. Sometimes try it. Ask a person to give the definition of love. And what do you think? how do you think most people would describe it? Love. All my panel, if you want to, jump in there. You can do it. You said how people describe love, mm -hmm. materialistic stuff. That's how you describe love, materialistic. Oof. That's not. How I don't do it. Okay, that's, right. Some people. Okay, that that's true. You want to take a shot say, at it? Um, love. Well, they'll say love is unconditional. Love is uh, attention. Love is. Like he said, materialistic things. Okay. However, love is pure. Love is kind. They'll even run you down with that. But 
Love is God. The love of God is um, way bigger than any love in the world. And when once you understand that, you will have a better understanding of not only your life, but the life you live and share <clears throat> with people on a day to day basis. Now, go ahead. And Mr. What Tyson. I learned um, is love is a choice. You make a decision to love, and one of the <clears throat> one of the scriptures that I pondered on for many years, and I was going through a personal situation when uh, I understood love is a, a decision we make. And when God told us to love our enemy, there's nothing warm and fuzzy about loving your enemy. Mm-hmm. So that's a decision we make. And once you you choose that, all the other attributes of love come after that. Okay. Now, I learned, because I was just like everybody else out there. But after that experience that I had, I tell a person when they give the definition, let's go to the book of Corinthians. Love is God. It tells you all the things love is, right? Mm-hmm. Love is fair. Love is passion. Love does not look out for its own interest. Mm-hmm. We find that way in Second Corinthians. So all around the world, people are trying to define love and the de- definition is there. Yeah. Right there in writing. <clears throat> Sometimes the words they use are a little bit different, but the mm-hmm. meaning, no matter what Bible you translate it in, the definition of agape love mm-hmm. is right in Second mm-hmm. Corinthians. Right? Right. I think it starts like probably chapter 12. And once you choose that. You it says lo- lo- love does not what? Look out for its own interest. That's right. Mm. Love does not get puffed up. And at the end, it says love what? Bears all oh, things. things. But see, people, that's why I said they, they can be so into the world that don't, they don't even realize it, that everything that we need to understand how it's we right should there. be is right there. But their mind so easily jumps from the Bible. They figure, well, the definition can't be in the Bible. It's going to be out here in the world somewhere. It's going to be on Google. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They'll take that yeah. on TV. You show it on TV, you want people to believe something. <laughs> Let them watch it on TV, no, no matter how wrong it is. Even the president says, what I saw on TV. <laughs> I made that law because, yeah, the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Am I right, Tyson? You look at some of the news states sometimes, mm-hmm. and first of all, he says that he is the greatest person on the face of the earth. <laughs> that is your president. But a lot of people don't read that. So yeah. enough people start to believe in it that then you've got them. See, that's how the world teaches people as opposed to the Bible teaching people. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that I learned how we as a person, young people, because their brain is not fully, and they hate to hear this, but their brain is not fully developed. Mm-mm. Until you get about 21 years old, your brain is still growing. And the reason that we have uh, such a low tolerance for what they do is they don't realize when they're doing something that the, the brain with the average young person under 21, reasoning is not a big part of that. And I was thinking about what is right and what is wrong mm-hmm. because that part of the brain hasn't fully been developed in young people. It's always until you are 21, at least 21. Now, somebody said, well, that's not true. It is. There are exceptions. Yeah, it's been proven. Yeah, that it's, it's been proven, but there are exceptions. Because mm-hmm. some people's brain is developing a little slower right. than somebody else. Ladies' brains do develop a little faster. That's why ladies appear to be smarter than men in terms of the logic and stuff that they do. That man, if you date somebody, you're, you're 17, and you date a guy that's 17, you're really dating somebody that has about uh, age uh, 8 or 9 brain. But then people expect them to be thinking on that numerical level, mm-hmm. and it's just not not so. Pastor, go ahead. I love. <laughs> I, I receive. Not a pastor yet. I will be. Okay. Um, You're a work so, in progress. Yeah, I'm a work in. I'm definitely <laughs> listening. I'm not gonna say I, I stopped saying I didn't choose this. God chose me. I was mm-hmm. saying it a lot. Um, however, you know the life I was living. Um, <laughs> Who would have thought me? <laughs> you like me, man. <laughs> Listen, uh-uh. so um, like I tell people, God chose me. A lot of people, I, I run into things like um, people like, well, you can't do that no more because you're a pastor. And I'd be like, listen, um, Jesus wasn't no different than you and I. The Christ was perfect. Mm-hmm. It was Jesus the Christ. And I learned that, you know, through church and, and ministry and being with my pastor, um, 
I don't know how much time I got, but I, I remember I didn't even like to open the Bible. As soon as I opened the Bible, I went to sleep. Like, See that? Oh, good <laughs> just girl. Just that fast. I, just, like, <laughs> I was like, I cannot get into this book. So what happened was um, about a year, two years ago, I, I went through a very um, trying time, and God made, me, God made me do a full circle of my life. Everyone that I thought that I couldn't forgive or I had to forgive, I, I end up being back in their presence. Um. Yeah, it was a rough year, but I laid down for about seven days. I was numb. Nobody even knew. And my other mother, um, I don't say my step-parents, I say my other mother, um, she ended up coming downstairs. And the funny thing about, you know, your parents or a mother of a household, they always know. She came downstairs and she said, kid. I said, huh? She said, you downstairs? She thought I was at work. I was supposed to be at work driving a truck. <laughs> I was laying down. And when I got up, I heard the voice. And it said, just get back up. You don't got to fight. So once I opened the book, um, I ended up reading Genesis for the first time. And I couldn't believe the information like I found in Genesis. <laughs> yeah, <Like me. laughs> started right there. Mm-hmm. And what, what came to me is this, um, watch who feeds you. And that ended up being my first sermon. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the grace of God, uh-huh. like, um, yeah. But see, he had he had a plan for you. Yeah, he he. he yeah, he had yeah. a plan for you. Faces Going Places is a five hundred one c three that strives to promote youth empowerment through community, unity, and educational programming initiatives. We believe in the pursuit of championing the cause of our future leaders. Faces Going Places is committed to dramatically reshaping the most economically depressed communities across the country. Listen in to the Faces Going Places podcast, where new episodes will be released every Saturday on all your podcast platforms. This podcast is also brought to you by the WGE Podcast Center, your host for all your podcasting needs. Available on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes. Well, folks, we want to remind you, you're listening to Faces Going Places. And most of my panel is smarter than me because I am having a fit putting my head thing on. It does not look right. I'll try to talk anyway. Carla, you're on the air. Hey, hey, everybody. How y'all doing, Dr. Butler? This is Hot Sauce. Reggie Thornton. Reggie Thornton Hot Sauce. Calling in. I tell you what, Reggie, <laughs> we're here. We're having a powerful discussion today. I know that you're over there. Uh, I, we got another minister in training that's sitting right here at the table. And I know you. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And she's sitting right. And so you'll get a chance to meet her. I wish she had some headphones. I'll let you ask a question. But what's going on over in your part of the world now? This is Reggie from Sweat and Go. We call him Hot Sauce. And he is a minister. And he's doing the work of God out there, doing a good thing. He and I usually travel around all day long together, getting into situations together, having God pull us out together. So what did you want to say? I know our listeners, uh, they want to hear from you. So give us your report. Well, I tell you, um, I know you all have had, probably, I, I anticipated y'all were having a great, great discussion and uh, some powerful things, because, of course, especially about yesterday that happened um, there down at the market. And um, um, one of the things I thought about with uh, March 1st coming in um, and this new season coming in, and as well as also with Daylight Saving Time coming up next Sunday, because we haven't had uh, the big snow that we normally have, Thank goodness. Uh, the pollen and everything and allergens are going to start rising this week. So if people's folks have been feeling funny, you've been feeling a little congested, it's because everything is producing because we didn't have the snow to kill off a lot of things. So because of that, it's going to be important that we do those things with our bodies to take care of them in order to keep our immune system fortified and strong um, because things can only attack your body or win the battle of your body when your immune system is weak. That is so true. So as a national trainer, 
what are you recommending for our audience? Well, one thing that I definitely recommend is vitamin C. Everybody needs to be consuming anywhere between 1,000 to even 2,000 milligrams a day. You can get that from powders, from, from um, emergency drinks, the powder packets. But get that vitamin C in you um, in order to keep that immune system fortified and strong. The second thing is to keep yourself hydrated. All right, to drink water. The normal um, water intake is eight eight ounce glasses a day. Eight cups of eight cups a day, or eight eight ounce glasses a day. And the third thing that we want to do is to make sure we're getting our exercise activity in, or getting our activity in, getting activity in. Now, this could be a walk at least three times a week, or getting something in. Rejuvenate their body. Start with a walk. I'm not telling you to go on a CrossFit class tomorrow. I'm just telling you to just kind of get a partner and walk about 10 minutes three times this week and start from there because of self, of course, uh, something leads to something else and nothing leads to nothing else. Well, that's true. That's good advice. And I know our listeners will uh, listen to you. You're coming in town again on Monday. And those yep. uh, in the audience who may be listening, Reggie is a national fitness trainer and uh, does training all over America with the WIC program. And uh, he's a major uh, contributor and speaker at the national events, the regional events. So he has good advice. And, uh, of course, he's over there uh, being one of God's children and passing the word on. And we want to thank you, Reggie. You were talking about yesterday's experience at the market. What was your assessment of that? That was at the uh, Upton Market, Pennsylvania Avenue in Baltimore, Maryland, for our listeners. I thought it was a great event. I thought our presenters and vendors did very well. The dancers turned it out. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I tell you, and uh, they really surprised people, so that was great. The young people got that great experience. And... um, from in front of everybody and got the showcase, the shoes and everything and the jewelry. It just was a great event. And Doc, if I'm not mistaken, I guess you could speak to this a little bit more. That is the first of probably for many other events to come just because of the great things they did yesterday. Uh, but um, it was a great event. I really enjoyed it. That was a, a truly a miracle in uh, in the works, and uh, as you and I both know, and people that are sitting around the table, they know that uh, that Pennsylvania Avenue market has been neglected in terms of our people having opportunities to participate. And what they saw yesterday, it just blew everybody's mind because it came together. They never, they said they never had a crowd like that, and the young ladies. The ladies are putting us men to shame. Jahi, you can represent us and go do some flips. Those ladies let it out. I mean, <laughs> let it out. So it's hard, you know, when you, you're a track coach, and so you know if you let somebody get too big a lead on you, you're not, never going to catch them. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and our, our, our ladies, our women are setting the pace. They came out and they got the opportunity to be the leaders. And now they are all leading in something. And those that are not leading are teaching somebody else to, to lead. So it will probably take forever for us to uh, catch up to them. As, as silent as it is, most ladies don't know that in the field of marketing, most ideas that we put out there to the people were based on what ladies do in the household. A lot of people don't know that. So they, uh, when the men, so ladies have been well ahead of the curve all the time. And set the pace. Yeah. And now I guess they're accepting the benefits that are coming from that. And I want to commend everybody because the ladies, they really did. Even on the shoes, the young lady that actually designed the shoes while we were in the in the place. So we want to thank you. We got to get back and get ready to get out of here. But thank you for being a part of Sweat and Go, your company, and uh, Maker to Markets and Faces Going Places. You've made a major contribution uh, to the growth and what's going on. And the National Black Unity newspaper, people yeah. got that. They were really thrilled that we do, in fact, have a national publication that we are part of. So all of that, I want to thank you. And my producer is saying, I need to shut up and get up. 
<laughs> so so <laughs> I'm going to have to sign off, and we'll get get back with you later. You be safe. Have a safe journey. And thank you for calling in. Okay, you're welcome. You all have a great rest of the day now. Okay, you guys can say goodbye to Reggie. See you, Reggie. Bye-bye. <laughs> See you. Okay, folks, we got a bonus coming here. This, again, I want to remind you, you've been listening to Faces Going Places. I am your host, Dr. Mel Butler. And, again, I want to thank all of our, our guests for being here today. And this was exciting. It doesn't seem like an hour. Does it seem like an hour to anybody? No. no. Well, does he tell Never us? Never does when it's interesting. Yeah, well, he's telling <laughs> us to get up. Jaheim, what do you want to say to the people? What You got to say some last words or something. <laughs> uh, what can I say? Um, <laughs> I like to put him on the spot. Uh, I don't really know. Well, well shout get, out to my brothers and my mother. Now, there you go. Y'all hear that? Say that again. They might not have heard it. You said it too fast. Shout out to my brothers and my mother. All right. So that is from him. Do you have any last words you want to tell us about, please? She has um. been so quiet. Nice. <laughs> Uh, well, my name is Shakia Johnson. If anyone want to contact me, um, it's, my number is 443-802-1453. I am a, a, a leader for the youth. Um, I'm here to set the tone. Um, anything of, other than that, if you feel free that you need uh, a helping hand, I'm your it person. Okay. Can um, you give them that number again kind of slow? Oh, okay, something. that number is 443-802-1453. And great. again, my name is Shakir. <laughs> okay, great. And Mr. Tyson? Yes, I would like to say it's been exciting. I'm looking forward to hearing from anyone, especially the young people that would like to find out how to develop all of the gifts and beautiful talent that they have in themselves with the help of SCORE and my organization, Flaming Arrows. Okay. I can be contacted at 443-804-6777. Thank All you right. very much. We want to thank everybody and uh, to our persons that are not here. Karen is not here, but what she was well represented. And the whole Renaissance group and uh, the National Black Unity newspaper. And uh, definitely uh, to uh, all of our folks in the, any of the Renaissance programs up on Pennsylvania, on uh, Pimlico Road. Uh, that's, I think, it's Sisters and Sisters. Uh, Miss Catherine and uh, Miss Pender. They've done a fantastic job up there. And folks, support us, support the cause, support our young people. Call me about the National Black Unity News so you can get a subscription to that because it's a part of history. Thank all of our guests and our guests, folks. We'll see you again next week, same time, same place. Be good. Be blessed. Faces Going Places is a 501c3 that strives to promote youth empowerment through community unity, and educational programming initiatives. We believe in the pursuit of championing the cause of our future leaders. Faces Going Places is committed to dramatically reshaping the most economically depressed communities across the country. Listen in to the Faces Going Places podcast, where new episodes will be released every Saturday on all your podcast platforms. This podcast is also brought to you by the WGE Podcast Center, your host for all your podcasting needs. Available on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes.